Last week we covered the topic of frontier massacres in the Kimberley in the late 19th and early 20th centuries with locally based historian Chris Owen. In researching for this interview and indeed in my limited previous understanding of the history of the Australian frontier, which itself seems to me an anodyne phrase, uh, one of the things that's striking is the official silence around the scale and significance of the violence. Tell us, broadly speaking, how the history of the Queensland frontier has been written and remembered. Yes, good morning, Alex. Uh, Look, um, there have been quite a few dedicated scholars that have been working on uh, developing an understanding of the Queensland frontier for quite a few decades now. But uh, the problem is, of course, the gap between what is happening in the academy and what happens with the Australian mass media and the and the public perception of what goes on, you see. We know a lot now um, academically about the Queensland frontier, but getting the message out across the nation is another matter. You've endeavoured in your research to establish an accurate figure of exactly how many Aboriginal people were killed throughout the process of so-called settlement in Queensland. Give our listeners an idea of what the latest research, including, of course, your own research, indicates that number may be, and paint a picture of who precisely was doing the killing and why. Okay. <laughs> well, a big look, question, I know. I know. Uh, well, look, uh, what we're trying to do is to get a, a round figure on roughly the overall um, death rate on the frontier for, for both whites and Aborigines and other non-Aboriginal people. And um, from the material on hand and the calculations we have been able to make from it, and this is myself and another researcher called Robert Auster Jensen, um, we have found uh, an aggregate figure of around 66,000 frontier deaths in Queensland from the 1820s to the 1900s. That's a staggering uh, figure, and, and it brings me on to my next question in a way, which is one of the areas of dispute in, to use a fancy word, the historiography of fi- uh, frontier violence is the question of the nature of the violence. Conservative historians in many instances acknowledge there was indeed violence, but that it took the form of Aboriginal theft of, of livestock, attacks on settlers, followed by the odd reprisal here and there, killings by enraged pastoralists and their supporters in the police force. You've quoted the figure of 66,000, which suggests, doesn't it, something far more systematic. Do you argue in your own work that it was systematic violence? And what, if it was systematic, was it conducted under the auspices and under the direction of the colonial authorities? Well, in Queensland, you had an organisation called the Native Police, which were run directly by the <clears throat> Queensland government. And so they were responsible for a lot of the killing that occurred. But as well as that, you had uh, private uh, vigilante killings of Aboriginal people in in group attacks and so on. And that was quite a considerable number too, although it's very hard to determine exactly how many. Um, A lot of commentators at the time will say that the settlers are killing as many as the native police or perhaps more. So, yes, it is very systematic indeed. And, you know, I would add that there's no moral equivalence between people defending their territory and people invading that territory. 
the people invading that territory are at a moral disadvantage in what they're doing. The people who are conducting these reprisals against stock and so on, as you just described, are defending their territory against invasion. And uh, if it's hard for um, non-Aboriginal listeners to understand this, imagine if Australia now was invaded by a foreign foe and we started to try and fight them off. That's the sort of pattern we're looking at here. How have uh, Aboriginal people remembered the massacres? Last week, Chris Owen spoke about the detailed accounts of Kimberley massacres passed on through a rich oral history tradition from generation to generation. I appreciate it's a sensitive topic around the question of whether it's really appropriate for a white historian to speak on behalf of Aboriginal people in terms of that oral history tradition. But nevertheless, to the best of your knowledge, in terms of that oral history, has something similar happened within uh, Queensland's Aboriginal communities? Well, I think all over Australia, Queensland included, you know, Aboriginal people do carry a very strong oral tradition of what happened to their peoples in in local areas and they know massacre sites, they know sites of, of group killings, they know about poisonings, they know about abductions of children and the uh, the taking of women, etc., the whole panoply of the of these uh, rather outrageous acts that accompany dispossession there's certainly a strong oral tradition but as you said you know it is better for aboriginal people to to uh, um, develop these uh, pictures themselves for for listeners than me now, we agreed on the, the questions beforehand, Professor Evans, but I, I did want to uh, throw an extra one in here, which is something that I referred to earlier, this question of language. It's something that comes up again and again in this whole discussion, doesn't it? We've got this ongoing national debate or so-called debate about whether Australia was settled or invaded. And I mentioned the language of the frontier. There is something almost anodyne about it when we talk about settling the frontier. You're talking about 66,000 people being systematically killed. The word I would use to describe that is genocide. The language is important here, isn't it? And and the research should, and the facts and the evidence should dictate what sort of language we use. I mean, what, what are your comments around that in terms of the importance of the language and the way we actually describe the history that we're talking about here? Well, of course, the perpetrator society is the one that is also choosing the language to describe it. And words, as you just stated, like settlement, um, are much easier to digest than words like dispossession and the word you just used, genocide. Um, Of course, on the frontier, they had many of these um, words that kind of allowed people to skim over the realities of what was happening. Uh, the, The favorite word in Queensland, of course, was dispersal. That means mass killing. Dispersal as a word in the dictionary just means, you know, uh, dispersing a group of people to different, to different areas. But actually what it meant was wiping them out. Finally, Raymond Evans, Raymond Evans can return to the question of the official silence, which still cloaks any real honest accounting of what took place on the colonial frontier, not just in Queensland, but throughout the whole country. Why do you think that silence continues? And more specifically, why does it continue despite the voluminous research we're talking about of frontier massacres, backed by documentary evidence, uh, conducted in in recent times by historians like yourself, uh, like Chris Owen, Henry Reynolds, 
Robert Orsted Jensen and many others. I mean, the, the evidence is overwhelming for the nature and scale of the violence, the horrific genocide, really, that took place throughout the country. And yet it does seem to me it's still officially denied and it's certainly not discussed widely, acknowledged widely throughout the Australian community, let alone by Australian politicians. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, this national silence, or some writers call it a conspiracy of silence, started to fall around the time of federation when it was important for the nation to think of itself as a good nation that wasn't founded on bloodshed. And I think that tendency has um, continued throughout throughout time and uh, it, it has become a, a national culture of denial. Uh, denialism accompanies the acts of commission at the time that they occur and then they become a way of looking at the past that cleanses it and, and presents Australia like as a quiet continent, you know, a good society, a fair-go society, uh, an egalitarian society and so on, but not a society that has been developed out of dispossession of land that is accompanied by quite massive acts of violence. And this is a big pill to swallow, to change the national appearance of this, you see. And sometimes mountains of evidence have an enormous job to do in moving very entrenched public positions on things, particularly when the public position on things exonerates the culture. This picture of a very violent past uh, criticises the culture very strongly and it requires a high degree of maturity for a nation to accept the reality of these things. It does not look good, whereas at the moment Australian society tries to look as good as it can.